Welcome to the Service Academy Sorority, a space where women that have graduated from the service academies can share their stories and build a sense of camaraderie and sisterhood. This episode features Angelina Fuschetto, a 2001 graduate from the United States Merchant Marine Academy located in Kings Point, New York. Angelina, or Angie, or Foo to those that went to school with her, shares all about her journey from the cornfields of Indiana to working with tankers in Alaska. If you don't know much about Kings Point and the life of a merchant mariner, Angie's story will definitely give you some great insight. And for transparency, I should mention that Angie was actually a first-class midshipman or senior at Kings Point when I was a plebe or freshman. In fact, she was my platoon commander. And while I don't think this impacted the interview in any way, I just thought you should know. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Angie. Thanks, glad to be here. So can you start off by telling everyone where you're from, what school you went to, and when you graduated? Uh, my name is Angelina Fuschetto. Um, I originally grew up in Indiana, and I went to the United States March of Rain Academy, and I graduated in 2001. Nice. And you are currently located in Alaska, correct? Yes, I currently live in Valdez, Alaska with my fiancé and two future step-teenagers, so that's fun. Oof. Oof, I do not envy you on that one. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, so to start, can you give everyone one to two lines about who you currently are? Um, yeah, like I said, I live in Valdez, Alaska. I work for uh, a shipping company that runs tankers in and out of Prince William Sound coming to the Alaska Terminal. Um, I sailed for my career after Kings Point and, uh, you know, I think I'm just just living the dream up in Alaska. People always tease me. That's what I say, but I, I really enjoy the Alaska life up there. Yeah. I cannot wait to hear a little bit more about that. Um, but before we get to that, uh, let's go back to the beginning when mm -hmm. you were deciding where you wanted to go to college. Um, so what made you choose a service academy and what made you specifically choose a federal service academy? Um, you know, I really don't know what was the one thing that sparked my interest in an academy? I know I had a guidance counselor had mentioned the service academies, and I really had no idea what those were. So I started to look into them, and I actually applied to all of them upon my mother's recommendation after that. And I was sitting in an interview, and uh, somebody had asked me to rank one through five the service academies in order of preference. And I must have looked pretty stupid because I looked right at him and said five. I thought there were only four. And uh, so they told me about Kings Point. And then I started to look into Kings Point a little bit more. And I had been flying planes privately. So once I heard that the option for Navy flight was available through Kings Point, that really appealed to me. And then when I went and visited and learned all about Sea Year, uh, that really, that settled it for me. That was the place I wanted to go. I figured I would have plenty of opportunities and traveling the world sounded like a blast. So, so the flight option really interested you at Kings it Point? It did. It did. Yeah. That was initially my goal and I went in there, you know, my plebe year, that was my plan. I wanted to go Navy flight upon graduation and somewhere around third class year when I went out to see that all changed. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I hear that quite often because, you know, some people don't know that when you go to the Merchant Marine Academy, obviously, like, you can choose any service you want. And 
and you actually have a better chance of getting that Navy flight billet from Kings Point versus like the Naval Academy. At least that's what I was told too when I applied. Yeah, but, that's what I was told too. And, uh, you know, so that kind of, that appealed to me there, definitely. Yeah. Did you, did you consider the Naval Academy or, or the Air Force Academy? Were they for flight? I mean, were they on your list or no? They were on my list, but um, my mom and I did a kind of a whirlwind visit of, we went to every academy except West Point. It was the only one we didn't get up to. And uh, once I went to Kings Point and stayed there for a day or so and just interacted with the midshipmen there, I decided Kings Point was where I wanted to be. And then once I got my appointment, it made it happen. Now, you said you're from Indiana originally. So had you, had you, been on a ship before? Had you been on the ocean much? You know, a lot of people ask me that. I literally grew up with my house in the middle of a cornfield in Indiana. So um, I knew nothing about ships <laughs> and nothing about the maritime industry. So it's, and none of my family's ever been in the maritime industry or even in the military for that matter. So it was uh, quite a, quite a gear shift for my family. Yeah. Like what were their thoughts? I mean, did you get a lot of support when you told them what you wanted to do? I did. My family was all for it. You know, I have four brothers and sisters and my, both my parents were teachers their whole lives. So they, uh, you know, they said, if this is a good opportunity that you can take, why not? Um, you know, I, I'm sure that the free education played into that as well, but they were 100% supportive and they always told me if you got there and you hate it, you can leave. So, yeah. Yeah. And just so listeners uh, have a better understanding of sea year, because you said sea year really appealed to you. And so that's, you know, just for listeners, can you just explain a little bit what that is at Kings Point? Um, Yeah. So your third class year, your sophomore year, you spend four months out at sea on regular commercial vessels sailing um, as a cadet. Uh, in either the deck or the engine department, depending on what your major is. I was a deck department. So um, you spend four months your third class year and then eight months your second class year, um, basically learning the ways of the merchant marine to prepare you for your license exams and to prepare you for sailing in the merchant marine upon graduation. Yeah, that was very well said. <laughs> very well said. <laughs> yes. And, um, and yeah, and, and you can you can be on a variety of ships. So, um, and obviously it's a really cool way to see the world, which is what you said. It really appealed to you. So. Yeah, um, it was, it was fantastic. I mean, my, my third class year, I got to sail with one of my best friends all over the far East on a container ship. And then second class year, I got to sail on a military sea lift command ship all over the Persian Gulf with three of my best friends. And uh, then I finally rounded out my tour on a tanker back and forth to Valdez, Alaska. So yeah, you get the, a wonderful experience for a, you know, 18, 19 year old kid. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll definitely dive more into that for sure. But was there anything else when you visited the Merchant Marine Academy that really stood out to you? Um, I liked that it was a lot smaller than the other academies I had visited. Um, you know, at the time I went there, I, I think it was close to a thousand students total. And, uh, you know, some of the other academies, you have more than that in your class alone. So I think the small, the small aspect of it really, really appealed to me. 
so let's dive into a little bit of your time at the academy. So you you choose the Merchant Marine Academy, you have the support, um, you get there, and for, for listeners that don't know, it is on the water. So all of a sudden you went from the cornfields to the water, which is, uh, <laughs> that must have been an interesting shift for you. <laughs> yes, but uh, how, what, what was it like the first day and, and that first summer and what was, what was that like for you? Um, I remember, you know, the first day, actually the day before in dock, I met up with um, somebody that was going to be going to Kings Point the same day, who we later became best friends, but we met the night before and had dinner at my aunt and uncle's house. They had lived a little bit farther um, upstate in New York. And so I at least knew one person going into it. So that helped me out a little bit. But I just remember the, the first day, um, they put the dreaded H on my hand with a Sharpie, which meant haircut. And uh, I had already <laughs> chopped my hair very short, so uh, I wondered what they were planning to do with it, and uh, they definitely made it even shorter, if that's possible. <laughs> but, it, you know, it was just, uh, it was eye-opening, and you just, I, I just remember thinking, okay, this is fun, but I don't know how long I'll be able to take this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, was that, was that first summer tough for you? Um. It, it was. I sprained my ankle during indoc, which made it even worse. Everybody, everybody knows you don't want to be the person with the sick chit, you know, and uh, that was me for a few days towards the end of indoc. And that really, I think that that crushed my, my spirits a little bit, but I was able to push through and uh, yeah, it was tough. I'm not very good at running. So that often also made it uh, <laughs> not too enjoyable, but you know, at King's Point, it was only two weeks long. So um, I was able to push through it and finish that out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's worth noting here that like at King's Point, um, you're in school like all year round because of the seer and you're doing like four years of education in three. It's, it's brutal. Yes. Um, but <laughs> so that's why that in doc is like only two weeks long because it's like, there's no time for anything at King's Point. Um, Okay, so if you had to sum up your time at the academy in one word, what would it be? Um, I would probably just say unforgettable. I mean, I had unforgettable experiences during my C year, unforgettable experiences just going to school on Long Island and being able to look across at the skyline of New York City and uh, unforgettable friendships. I mean, my best friends today are still all my volleyball girls from Kings Point. So uh, I would definitely say unforgettable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let's, let's dive into it a little bit more. Like what were some of the most memorable experiences and highlights for you? You, you know, you mentioned a little bit about Sierra, but maybe you could dive into a little bit more about what that was like for you. And I know volleyball. So yeah. What were some of those highlights for you? Um, definitely the biggest highlight was Sierra. I talked a little bit about that already. I mean, I was, 18 years old going out on my first ship and just, you know, wide eyed and had not a clue of what anything was. And just, it, it was just a fun experience getting to learn from these people that are doing what I potentially wanted to do day in and day out. So that was, that was just amazing. And to get to do it with some of my best friends was even more fun. Um, see year was number one, I would say volleyball, uh, with my girls there at King's Point. Um, the biggest thing about that was it gave us some upperclassmen that looked out for us as plebes and that, um, 
you know, they, they made sure we were doing okay with the regiment and they made sure we were doing okay with school and they really took us under their wings and showed us the way. And uh, not to mention playing a sport gave you a chance to get off campus when you didn't have liberty and it gave you a chance to, you know, you didn't have to stand every single Saturday inspection because you were typically at a volleyball tournament somewhere. So that really, that was nice. My first, you know, it's a fall sport. So that was really nice. The first portion of the school year, my freshman year, having that, that outlet to be able to go enjoy yourself a little bit. Yeah. And did you feel that during your time at the Academy, that the connections you made with, with your classmates and the women on your team, like that they were really good, strong connections? 100%. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we Um, were going through the same things at the same time. And uh, I think that's what made our friendship so strong. Yeah, and especially that seer component, it sounds like that really solidified some of your best friend friendships that you even have till today. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, you're just, you're out there on a, you know, my first ship, we were the only two females on there. And uh, she was an engine cadet, and I was a deck cadet. And it just, it, you know, it just made it great to have somebody to sit there and chat with in the evenings. Yeah. Yeah. So there were no other women on your ships or was it just that ship where you were the two? On that ship, we were the only two. Um, you know, throughout my career, I've sailed with various women here and there, but most times I was the only woman on the ship. And and how did you, how did you feel about that being so young, like at 18, 19 years old? Um, you know, most of the people that I sailed with, and not just during my cadet time, but during my cadet time and my full career, um, you know, they looked at me as one of two things, either like their daughter or like their little sister. And um, it, a lot of people, they just wanted you to, you know, they wanted you to learn the ways of the merchant Marine. And um, they, they just, you know, they wanted to help. They didn't want to be somebody to, to push you out or deter you. I mean, I know there were a couple people I'm sure here and there that looked upon a young female that with a strong personality and said, you know, the old salty sailors that, you know, back in my day, women weren't allowed on board, you know, those kind of things. But, um, you know, it's just, it's changed over the years too. So in in a positive way. Yeah. Yeah. So where did you get to go during your sea year? What were some of the places you got to see? Um, My first cadet ship, I joined in Seattle and we rode from Seattle to Long Beach and I puked the entire way. So that was really fun. And then from Long Beach, we went over to Yokohama. Then from there, we went to Hong Kong, Yantian, China, Singapore, Malaysia, back to Singapore, back to Yantian, back to Hong Kong. Then we went down to Kaohsiung, Taiwan. And then we came back to Seattle and we did the whole trip again. Uh, so that was our first big Far East experience. And it was great because uh, the chief mate that I had on there was just fantastic. And he always told me that whenever we got into port, that that was the time that we should be the first ones down the gangway when we get there and the last ones back up before we leave. He wanted us to really experience the world while we had the chance. And he always said to me, ah, you can learn about ship stuff out at sea. So that's what we did. We, we enjoyed the Far East. Oh, <laughs> and then awesome. uh, my second ship, I was in the Persian Gulf the whole time on that ship. We were uh, refueling the Navy fleet there. I was on a military sea lift command ship. So we went between Bahrain and Jabal Ali. And um, I actually left that ship early because I wanted to get more um, cargo experience on tankers. And I just wasn't getting the number of loads that I needed to be able to get my, uh, 
credentials upon graduation. So I actually left all of my friends on that ship and I went over and flew to Valdez, Alaska and joined a, a Coastwise tanker from Valdez to Long Beach and spent quite a few months on that ship. Um, there was another person from Kings Point on there. Uh, I actually was paired up with a, a male engineer and, uh, you know, we got along fine. And uh, yeah, so that was my sea year time. So, so at this point, um, because your sea year start, uh, you do your sea year during your third class year and your second class year. So sophomore and junior year. Mm -hmm. And when did you start to make that mental shift that this is what you wanted to do? Was it before that second sea year? It was on my first ship. Um, mm -hmm. After I got over being seasick for three days straight, I actually enjoyed that ship. Uh, it took about 10 days to get from Long Beach to Yokohama. And I just loved being out at sea. I loved seeing nobody <laughs> for days on end. And it just really appealed to me. And I love to travel. So um, I, once I came back from my first ship, I told my parents that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. So as you approached graduation, was that you were pretty solid that that was the path you were going to take? Yes, I was 100% solid. I think my junior year at school, um, yeah. that's when I started working towards uh, getting my credentials to work on a tanker. And that's yeah. what I did. Awesome. All right. Well, before we move on to that piece, uh, were there any major lowlights at the academy that you'd like to talk about? Um, you know, I had so many positive experiences at the academy. I didn't have too many negative, but I, the one thing I did struggle with there was always my weight. I'm a short Italian. So, um, you know, the stereotype with that is you're as wide as you are tall, right? And, um, you know, that was probably the hardest part for me. I, I never had trouble passing the PRT or any component of it. Um, I always struggled with being over the weight requirement. And, uh, you know, I got put on what they affectionately called the donut squad. And I honestly don't even remember the real name for it because that's was what it, everybody it called it. Pep? Pep? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was a fitness officer. So oh, <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, so I just remember my senior year, it, it, I got put on that and Luckily, I rode crew my senior year also, and I had a I had a coach that looked out for me, and he was able to work me out at at practice a little extra there instead of having to go to the the pep squad or donut squad. So mm. that was probably the time where you know the one thing that I did struggle with was staying within the weight requirements. Did that cause any issues with uh, with your classmates or anything? Like, was it? did you have any issues with other people and your weight or was it just like this personal thing you were going through to get through? Um, it wasn't from classmates, you know, it was always the, the letters from preparing to get your commission and those kind of things, uh, my senior year that all fed into that. And, you know, even before I went to King's point, when I was at what I consider the fittest point of my life, um, you know, I was still over the weight limit by one pound. And I remember when I got there and they did the weigh-ins and I remember seeing the weigh-in of one pound over the weight limit. And I was, you know, I was, I was really bummed out because I had been so physically active in high school and, uh, you know, 
that that really I think it was more mental from my side there wasn't too much in terms of other people teasing or anything like that no it's it's so interesting I don't know if this was your experience but you know I I came to understand that there are certain body types that just it doesn't matter like how much you work out like uh just the way your body is shaped you fall out of the certain standards that they're looking for absolutely yeah and like and i it sounds like that's what you were kind of going through a little bit like with the and they had to tape you i'm sure and do that whole process (laughs) oh yeah yeah so as the company fitness officer i had to do that for people and it was brutal sometimes because it's like oh i know you're in shape (laughs) you know yeah and that was the thing because i had never failed a prt so it was uh, you know one of those things but you know you push through it and um yeah (laughs) how how did academics go for you Um, people are probably going to hate me for saying this, but I really didn't struggle too much with academics. Um, I, I went to, my high school was, uh, the Indian Academy for Science, Mathematics, and Humanities. It was a pretty rigorous college prep school. And the one thing I took away from that high school experience was time management skills. And, um, so I was, I was very capable of handling the workload. I had already had a good basic uh, you know, a baseline in physics and calculus and chemistry and things like that, that were core classes that you were required to take at King's Point. So I think that really helped me my freshman year, just being able to to manage my time and to already have a little bit of familiarity with, um, with those type of science classes. And even the, you know, the specific maritime type classes, having my private pilot's license, I already knew a little bit about charts and navigation and things like that. So that really helped me there. Um, I I know that a lot of people struggle with academics and don't get me wrong, I I had my moments with certain classes, but um, I actually, I did very well and ended up graduating with honors. So um, I I worked pretty hard too. So that, that, uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad of a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. That's positive. Um, all right. So I definitely want to hear more about this career path that you took. So you switched gears, you know, and you went from wanting to do this Navy flight to definitely being clear that as you approach graduation, you wanted to sail. And it sounds like you were super specific. You wanted to sail on tankers. Um, so what was, what was that like? What was your first job? Did you pass license on the first shot? Like, what was that whole process for you? Um, yeah, actually, I want to go back to, I got to take an elective class with Commander Huber, which was an advanced tankers class. And oh, that yeah. was, that was the class that I was like, hey, this sounds like fun. I'm going to do this. And uh, so after taking that class, yeah, I, I passed license on the first try, um, you know, passed sea project, passed everything. And uh, as soon as I got my license and a, I don't remember when my, um, my acceptance letters came in for jobs, but I had applied it. I had applied at various different companies, but um, I received two job offers on the same day from two different companies. Uh, this was, you know, just after graduation. And a week later, I uh, set foot on my first ship, uh, tanker on the West Coast in San Francisco Bay. And uh, I joined as a third mate, and it was actually a lightering ship in San Francisco Bay. And I jumped on that one and they switched me around a couple different ships my first tour, uh, which I didn't mind. And I actually got to sail on the sister ship to the Exxon Valdez. So that was kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
I, you know, I, I sailed from various West Coast ports to Valdez and I just fell in love with Alaska. And I worked my way up through that company. I sailed third mate for a few years and then second mate very briefly just to fill in for somebody. And I had already gotten my chief mate's license and they needed a chief mate that next week after I had passed license exam. Um, so I slid right into a chief mate spot almost immediately. And, uh, you know, it was really being in the right spot at the right time with the right credentials ready to go. Yeah. And they, they threw me right into a cleanup before a shipyard as my first chief mate gig. So that was uh, one of those literally sink or swim kind of moments. And apparently I swam pretty well because I continued to sail chief mate for quite a few years and uh, got my master's license and decided that I wanted to do something a little different. So then I went shoreside uh, down in Houston, Texas for a bit. And uh, that was a tough job working in a safety position for a tanker company. Mm. And uh, I didn't really enjoy Houston. I actually hated Houston. So when they came to me about a year later with the opportunity to run the Valdez office for them, I jumped at the chance. And about, let's see, I'd been in Houston, I think 13, 14 months. And then they packed me up and moved me to Valdez, Alaska. And uh, I've been up here since 2013. And uh, my, my company sold their vessels in 2018. And I switched uh, over to Crowley, who bought the ships from Sea River. And uh, I've been doing the same exact job in Valdez for them since 2018. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, we, we, well, that's awesome, though. That was very, that was very good because I have a lot of questions. Um, well, but first, we should back up and just say that when you graduate from the Merchant Marine Academy, you, you have to fulfill a maritime commitment and you have to sit for license exams and you're either going deck or engine. You went deck, obviously, because you just mm -hmm. outlined the whole deck pipeline of working your way all the way up to master. Um, so, but you also graduate with a commission and you can commission into any service. So which did you, which service did you pick? Did you go Naval Reserve or? I, I did. I went Naval Reserve. And um, so I ended up having to do my reserve time when I was off the ships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you enjoy that? Or? Yeah. And you know, I'll be honest, this was back in the day when internet on the ships um, was still very spotty. We didn't even have it on all of our ships yet. And it was at the time where the Navy started transitioning to cat cards and logging in online and things like that. And once they started to do that, it made it very difficult to manage that while I was actively sailing. Um, initially, I, I had plans to stay in the Naval Reserve and at least get a retirement out of it, but that all changed just because I, was, I wasn't able to keep up with the requirements when I was sailing, you know, six to eight months a year. And uh, it, it just made it very difficult. But um, when I did do it, I enjoyed it. I, I typically would try to pair up with a friend or two of mine so that we would go um, you know, at least be in the same place for two weeks doing some reserve time. And I got to work on a lot of the Marad ships that way, which was pretty exciting just to see other types of vessels in the system. So maybe you can explain a little bit about what that Naval Reserve commitment entails coming from the Merchant Marine Academy, because it's not the one weekend a month, two weeks a year deal that a lot of people know about. Um, so maybe you can explain a little bit about that relationship between like, 
this this job you got to fulfill your maritime commitment and your navy commitment because they're not one in the same no they're two completely separate things um so upon graduation you know i'm not i'll caveat this with i'm not sure if requirements have changed since i got out you know gosh it's been 19 years ago but um (laughs) but um you know when i got out it was you had to um work five years in the uh let me see i may get this wrong here you had to work five years in the maritime industry you had to keep your license valid for six which meant you had to renew it at least once Mm -hmm. and then you had to serve eight years in the um, naval reserve um so what that entailed for the naval reserve uh things I typically um, would request orders to work uh, somewhere within the maritime industry, whatever they needed me to do. Um, I know I worked down in New Orleans a couple times where uh, it was dealing with position reports and things like that for uh, merchant marine ships that were getting underway or preparing to get underway. I worked over in Almeida with vessels that were preparing to get underway or even those that weren't preparing to get underway and they needed maintenance done or things like that, chart corrections, you know, all those things that play into getting a ship underway. Uh, those were typically the type of reserve duties that I I was drawn to just because those were things I was familiar with and things that I enjoyed doing. Mm-hmm. And they were, what was the length of time per year that you had to do those commitments? Um, it was two weeks a year on orders, and then um, we, I did that for eight years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't know that, like, when you're talking about all these ships, they're, you know, they're commercial ships, like they're regular privately owned ships. It's like this weird relationship between, like, the government and the Navy and commercial ships and, you know, yeah. It it definitely, it's interesting because you get, you know, a Marad ship that's owned by the Maritime Administration, U.S. government, but on board are all these uh, civilian mariners, and they're pretty much doing, you know, the same job I ultimately did working on my ships, uh, whether it's preventative maintenance or cargo operations, things like that, just to keep them ready to go at a moment's notice. Yeah. How well do you feel the Academy prepared you for life at sea? Um, I think that the sea year is what prepared you for life at sea. I don't know. I mean, of course, obviously the schooling, if you don't know the basics of navigation, you're not just going to, you know, learn that offhand. But I think that the sea year is what really solidified it because um, you're actually learning from the people that are doing this every single day. And uh, you definitely have a lot more to learn even upon graduation. And even my time sailing as chief mate, I still look to some of my older ABs or captains and other uh, people that I sailed with, engineers even. And uh, you never stop learning on a ship. There's always something different that happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what were some of the greatest lessons that you learned from the academy that you applied to your career trajectory outside of like, obviously like the education piece, but you know, just some of the lessons of like getting through an academy. Um, I think really sometimes you just have to figure it out as you go, <laughs> you know, don't, don't have a fear of failure. Um, you just, you just have to roll with it. And, uh, you know, somebody said to me at 
at school, when I went to a recruiting trip there, they told me, oh, Indoc's just a game. You know, they're just trying to break you down. So you remember, you run those things through your head and you figure it out as you go. Um, I guess that goes back to the, you never stop learning. Uh, <laughs> I learned, I learned through my whole career and I still am learning more every day. And uh, yeah, so I think my biggest takeaway is you, you just have to figure it out as you go and don't be afraid to take a chance. Yeah, yeah. When you sailed post-graduation um, on all these different vessels, were you, you mentioned you were, you were sometimes the only female on board? Yes, many what, times. <laughs> same here. <laughs> what, a, what, do you have any tips to offer people? Because um, it sounds like you've had relatively good experiences on all of these ships, both from being a cadet as well as post-graduation. So, you know, the maritime industry is a very male-dominated industry and, and King's Point's male-dominated too, as just as a school. So it's like, how, do you have any tips for how to navigate that space? And because you're very positive and you have a very positive attitude about it. And it seems like it's been a really good experience for you. It, you know, it was. Everything across the board was a good experience. Um, you know, my biggest tip would be just show that you're interested. Um, you know, getting on a on a ship my very first time, not knowing a single thing, I'm not going to go out and pretend I know everything, but at least show that you're interested and ask questions. And once, you know, because th that's their livelihood. And you may have a ship of 20 guys and they're missing their wife or they're missing their daughters or they're missing their kids' sisters. And if you, you know, I was friendly with people and respectful of their knowledge and their experiences and showed them I was interested in learning and they really were interested in teaching me. And, you know, there's a, there's a saying in the, at least in the company I sell for train your relief. You always want to train your relief. And so they were very interested in training me always for the next level position. And uh, I think that it really helped me. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you were really good at, um, at how you sh like being clear with how you were showing up. Like you showed up, it sounds like very interested in learning the industry. And as a result, the people you were working with, um, they took you under their wing as like their little sister or their daughter as someone that they wanted to help get to the next level in their career. The company I worked for was a fairly small uh, company. And so you got to see the same people on the same ships all the time. And some of the captains that I sailed with, or even chief mates that I sailed with when I was a young third mate, they're now the captains uh, for the ships that my company's operating now. And I still get to see them and they still heckle me about, hey, remember when you were a brand new third mate and you did X, Y, Z, you know, they still, they still heckle me and tease me on those little things, but it's all in good nature. And um, it's, it's interesting to see that now I'm in a shoreside management position and now the captain's working for me. You know, it, it just, yeah. they joke about that a lot. So yeah. uh, I, I really had a great group of folks to work with my whole career. Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell me about that decision to then, because essentially leaving sailing is kind of like, you know, that decision to like leave the military, right? Like you're jumping into a different world now going, spending months out at sea 
to being shore side. That's like a big shift. It's huge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So tell me, tell me about that decision for yourself and, and how that went. Um, you know, my goal had always be get my master's license, get my master's license, get my master's license, which I did. And, um, I had just come to a point where I wanted something more. Um, I had been sailing for almost 11 years and I, I wanted to be home. I missed my friends and I missed my families and it just, I just wanted something more. And the opportunity presented itself shoreside with the same company and I put my name in for it and they gave it to me. And so I, it was a, that part was an easy transition. I didn't have to stop and look for a different job. They, they had said, we have this opening. If you're interested in coming shoreside, this would be a fantastic spot for you. And that's what I did. And the most difficult thing was, you know, you're used to working six to eight months a year and having six months of vacation. And now you're working yeah. full year and you might get three or four weeks of vacation. So that was, that was the biggest culture change for me. I couldn't just pack up my bags and go to Thailand for a month if I wanted to. And, um, that, and trying to figure out what to wear. I mean, I had worn, I had worn <laughs> jeans and a hoodie every single day to work and steel toed boots. And, um, when I went shoreside, I got to buy a whole new wardrobe for corporate attire, uh, which was fun for a little bit. And then that gets old. Um, yeah. but you know, the biggest culture difference was I was chief mate in the, on the ships and I had always told people what to do here's what we have and here's what we need to do. And coming into the office, it was a little bit different because it was like starting at the beginning again, because I didn't know how office and corporate lifestyle worked. And I definitely was not prepared for the amount of meetings I would have to sit through. <laughs> but actually the, um, the current superintendent of Kings Point was my boss shoreside, Jack Bono. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, so that worked out really well because he had sailed as well. And he, he sat me down and he said, Angie, you know, just know that working shoreside is different from working um, on a ship and you'll be fine. And he was right. I was fine. Hmm. Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit more about that lifestyle, um, just so that, because, you know, we don't know if people understand like what that lifestyle is like when you decide to sail, uh, this whole dynamic of like, being away for months at end and then being home. Like, what was that like for you? And how did that impact the rest of your life? Um, it's different for each company, but the company that I sailed for, we were pretty close to 60 to 75 day rotations, which meant that you could be on board for two months at a time. And the way our benefits were all written, that meant you basically had day for day vacation, uh, just shy of day for day. So I'd be on a ship for two months and then I would go back to my house. I lived in Florida at the time, back to my house in Florida for two months. And I'll tell you, it was, it was difficult because when I moved from Indiana to Florida, I didn't really know too many people except some family friends that lived down there. And just trying to meet young professionals was difficult when you don't meet through the workplace or you don't meet through you know, the regular avenues that somebody working in an office would have to meet them. Um, 
I did make a couple friends down in Florida, but it was hard to maintain relationships because you would leave for two months and then you'd come back and they'd be like, oh yeah, what was your name again? Um, but I had a few close friends that uh, I maintained friendships with and still are friends with to today, but it was definitely hard for, um, you know, having a boyfriend or a husband even at that point in time. And that, I think that was one of the things that I, I knew I wanted to settle down eventually. And I knew that sailing, it would be pretty difficult to do that. Yeah. 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 And that rotation, that sounds like a pretty good rotation. I mean, there's been, there's some other ones that I hear that are brutal. Like there are. Yeah. 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 I was pretty lucky with the, I would, you know, I'd do the two months at sea and then I'd come home and I would travel for about a month or so, you know, visiting various friends and family or going wherever I wanted and then uh, relax for a week or so and then go back to work. And uh, it was a nice, nice lifestyle for a while, but at some point you realize you want to be home a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And you'd fit in your military commitment in the beginning during those first eight years, you'd fit those in during rotations. I would, yep, I would do my best. And my company was really flexible in terms of trying to, if it didn't line up properly with my time off, they were, I mean, they had no trouble being able to swap me with somebody so that I could get off in time for it. Yeah. Yeah. So what exactly is it about the tanker life that appealed to you? I have no idea. No, (laughs) (laughs) you know, tankers are a lot of work. Um, just to com- compare to a container ship, a container ship you get in port and the cargo loading is and discharging is done by somebody from the shore. Uh, you come into port on a tanker and you're the person doing the cargo loading or discharging. So uh, when I was chief mate on the tankers, I was in charge of planning, loading, you know, 750,000 barrels of crude oil uh, and planning where it was going to go when and planning about discharging and washing tanks and loading ballast. And, um, it was a lot of work, but it, it, it was something that it kept me entertained. Um, I think that I probably would have gotten bored on some other types of ships that, um, you know, you come into port and you don't really have to do much, but you kind of need to stay around just in case case I would have gotten bored with that a tanker you come into port and the chief mate never really gets off the ship I think I got off a couple times at anchor and that's about it but um it just it was fun pumping cargo and (laughs) I don't that's kind of I don't I just I it was fun I enjoyed it that's very different than the mentality of like the sea year where you pull into port and you're like get me off this ship I never (laughs) want to see it yeah it's like complete opposite from what I had on my you know, my first initial sea year experience, but I, I don't know, the tanker life just appealed to me. And once I fell in love with Alaska, I, I enjoyed coming here even more. Yeah. So, so tell me more about that. So tell me more about Alaska and the draw to Alaska. Um, what, what was it that like really made you want to move up there? Um, well, when they offered me the position up here, I couldn't turn it down. It was just, I knew that that was the way I would get to come up to Alaska. I had loved it since my um, second sailing, my second class year that I liked being on a tanker up here and I liked coming to Valdez. And I knew that that was a great way for me to get my foot in in Valdez. And it's just a, 
a totally different lifestyle up here, a little more laid back. I still get to wear jeans and a hoodie to work. So that, that makes it even better for me. And I met my fiance up here and his two daughters. And, um, you know, so now I, my, my roots are kind of planted here in Alaska. Yeah. That's a, definitely a shift from Indiana (laughs) and Florida. (laughs) Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a great place to to live, and you know, Valdez is a very small town. I think we have less than four thousand people here, and it's it's just a a great small town. Uh, you know, kids can ride their bikes and go for walks and not have to worry about things, and not to mention the scenery. We're just surrounded by mountains and the water, and it's just a beautiful place to be. Yeah, yeah. Well, so what are you doing currently then in this shoreside job? Can you eliminate that a little bit? Um, yeah, so I wear a couple different hats. I'm the only person for my company here in Valdez. So um, I'm the interface between basically all of the locals and the local terminal with our company. So when our vessels come in and out of port, um, I go down to the vessels. I, I Basically, uh, you know, management, whatever they need anything local here. Um, My main big hat is spill response. I handle all the vessel spill response plans for our ships and for Alaska here. And um, so I work with a lot of local stakeholders uh, to maintain those relationships ahead of time before something could happen. Um, So I have a little bit of an operational hat, a little bit of oil spill response hat, a little bit of public relations hat that I swap hats various times throughout the day. But um, it's a it's a great position for me up here. I pretty much know most of the folks in town, uh, certainly the folks in town that deal with the terminal here. And um, it's been, it still is changing every day up here and it's entertaining and it's exciting. And I like that I still get to go down to the vessels and I still interact with, you know, like I said before, folks that I sell with when I was a third mate. So Mm. um, I I like still having that connection to the operations. Yeah. Yeah. With, with this kind of lifestyle that you've been living um, and sailing, you know, and even at the Academy, how, how have you been able to maintain close connections with people from the academy have you been able to do that with this kind of sailing life because everybody else is sailing too or a lot of people not everybody else but a lot of people are sailing too so how did that work for you you know with my my group of girls as i we call it um our volleyball girls we all still get together we actually have had zoom calls recently and things like that um we've tried to plan trips every few years and just last year we all met up in Colorado and uh, went hiking at Estes Park, Colorado. So that was that was a fun trip to experience. Uh, there's a group of what seven of us that uh, five from the class of 2001 and two from the class of 2002 that we all still you know we get together we've been to each other's weddings and things like that and gotten to know everybody's kids and things so uh, we all stay in touch pretty well. So you've all been used to this distancing stuff long before you've been doing that since the beginning (laughs) well we just started zooming just this past just this past year but uh getting together and hanging out we still we still plan those events yeah it'd be nice because occasionally i would get off a ship in san francisco and they would plan you know a weekend in napa and i would join them all up there once i got off the ship and it just seemed to work out occasionally 
Yeah, yeah, because coordinating everybody's unique scale, uh, sailing schedules and whatever must have been definitely interesting. Especially uh, when they all live all across the country and a lot of them, um, well, I say a lot of them, a few of them went active duty military after graduation. So there was always playing into who's moving where, when. And uh, yeah, I hope we continue to keep meeting up as often as we have. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, how do you currently feel about your decision to attend a federal service academy? You know, I think it's pretty obvious. I have a, a pretty positive experience to share. Um, I think it was one of the best decisions I've made in my life. You know, if I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't have recommended. My little sister went there. She graduated in 2011. So, um, you know, if I didn't enjoy it, I probably would have told her not to go there. So, um, yeah, I definitely, I feel great about it. My, my parents became very involved after I graduated. They were involved with the National Parents Club Association. And uh, they did that for, for many, many years. So, um, you know, our involvement at Kings Point's been a lot. Uh, I, I think that had I not done that, I have no idea what I would have done. I probably would have been an orthodontist somewhere looking at nasty mouths all day long. You know, I, <laughs> I'm very happy that this is, this is the path I took. And I've had so many more experiences than, you know, other friends from high school that I, I look back on. And I, I think I'm just lucky to have had those experiences. Had you gotten into other academies? You know, I got an early appointment with Kings Point, And once that, I just stopped the process for the other ones. Gotcha. Did you apply to regular schools too? I mean, were you thinking about being an orthodontist? <laughs> you know, I actually was. I, I think I had applied to like two other schools, Notre Dame and University of Minnesota, I think it was. And those were the only ones I had actually actual official applications in with. Wow. How different your life would have yeah. been. <laughs> yes, it would have. So. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, there's still time. You could start a whole new career. No, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Up in Valdez. Um, well, so what's next for you then? Um, you know, I, I, I'm enjoying my life here in Alaska. Maybe one of these days I'll, I'll get my act together and actually plan a wedding date for me and my fiance. <laughs> we have yet to do that. Um, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I enjoy working with the tanker group that I'm working with and, uh, I enjoy being in Alaska I know one of my future stepkids is already dead set on going to Kings Point. She's in high school now, and she keeps telling me that's where she's going, not, hey, I want to go there, but that's where I'm going. So it'll be interesting if we start working through that process with her in the next couple of years. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm just living the dream in Alaska. Just doing your thing. Yeah. yeah. Man, sounds like Alaska is the place to be. You're so chill and positive. I got to... Yeah, I got to think about that. <laughs> well, you know, it's lots of sunlight yeah. now, this time of year. Talk to me again in December and January when there's <laughs> only a few hours of daylight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, well, do you have any parting words for listeners or any key messages that you'd want to share with, uh, with other people that have graduated from the academies, other service academy women? Um. No, I think I've I've said most things just regardless of whether you had positive experiences or negative experiences, it's all something that 
you went through that made you who you are today. And uh, certainly I hope even people that had many negative experiences at school were able to, you know, push through and, and, and end up with some positivity in their lives and realize that that's what made them strong and how they are today. Mm. Very, very wise words. Um, all right, before we go though, uh, can you give one random fun fact to listeners about yourself? Oh my goodness. A random <laughs> fun fact. Let's see. Um, I like to scuba dive and it's oh. only funny because I lived in Florida. I sailed on ships that, you know, go in salt water, but I hated going in the salt water. The whole time I lived in Florida, I think I set foot in the water like once or twice. I would always stay on the beach or sit in the pool. And then um, I met my fiance who loves to dive with sharks. And I told him there was no way in hell that I would ever scuba dive. And that changed drastically. <laughs> and <laughs> we started scuba diving. So here you have a sailor that hated salt water that now loves to scuba dive. That is so crazy. That is so crazy. <laughs> I'm um, still not sure about diving with sharks, but I will <laughs> Oh, the irony, huh? Yeah. Well, all right, Angie, can you, uh, can you tell people where they can reach you? Um, yeah, I'm on Facebook and, um, I'm not too technologically savvy, I guess you could say, cause I'm of the older generation, but, um, <laughs> Facebook's about my main social media. I am also on LinkedIn. Um, so you can reach me there. Okay. Or, um, yeah. And I can put those links in the show notes so that people know where to find you. Um, all right, Angie. Well, it was wonderful chatting with you. It sounds like you're living the dream. And uh, I think we're all a little jealous of you up in Alaska right now with all the nature around you. And uh, come, come visit anytime. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks for the chat. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to visit the Service Academy Sorority website to see photos, comprehensive show notes, and contact information for each guest. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. In addition, if you enjoy what you heard here today, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. And if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, please feel free to submit your contact information on our website at www.serviceacademysorority.com.